Did you call moi a dipshit? Because I'm Eric. <laughs> and I'm Cam, short for the Cameronator. Welcoming you to the podcast where we travel back in time to the pop culture of our youth to examine it through the lens of adulthood. It's not about good or bad. It's about then and now. As we try our best to answer the question, What were we watching? <laughs> uh, just a little <laughs> teaser for Eric Ambler's Arnold impression <laughs> later on in the episode, everybody. So... That was uh, sorry, sorry. Well, they've already you know, heard it. It's in our it's in our theme song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's in every single episode. <laughs> but it'll be even more featured in this episode, which is episode one hundred and eighty-seven, Terminator Two, Judgment oh, Day. Yes, that lovely voice you just heard belongs to our guest, who has not joined us in a long time, and we are rectifying that tonight <laughs> you know everyone in this world is one of three kinds a good terminator <laughs> a bad terminator or neutral but this man he's he's something else altogether it's daniel borders ash <laughs> oh what an intro uh yeah really happy to be back it has been years since we recorded together what did we do i know we did Jurassic park three and we did. That, yeah, so that was that. That set the precedent for why we are doing this sequel first. You were the first person to to come on for a sequel before we did any yeah. of the like previous films. Hell yeah! Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you want to do, yeah. Daniel? Like, I, I, I gotta do JP three, man. Like, <laughs> well, like not Lost World or first. No, 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 no. <laughs> JP three. I mean, we, this is not the JP three po- podcast episode, but um, I mean, of course, I love Jurassic Park as a child, of course, but like. If we're, do, you know, what were we watching? It's all about, not about good or bad, but it's about then and now. And back then, yeah. I wanted to put on JP3 more often than not. <laughs> See, uh. this guy gets it. This guy gets it. <laughs> well, we are thrilled, man, to have you on for Terminator 2. Oh, Knowing how big of a fan you are of the Terminator franchise, this is something Absolutely. special for us, too. Yeah, yeah. especially uh, like Genesis. Terminator Genesis, yeah. Oh, man, uh, the, the best one. <laughs> <laughs> That's Genesis. Genesis, right. right. I, and Salvation, oh, I mean, can't forget Salvation. I, I did catch up on my Terminators. I had not seen Genesis or Dark Fate. Me neither. Uh, I, I, ha- I haven't seen them either. I'm ashamed to I say. I still haven't. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, I haven't. Um, I, I, actually, Salvation was the last. And it's not because I, I, I'd like to watch all of them, and I will eventually, but... You know, I might I might go to Bunt, maybe even Bat for Dark Fate. I think uh it had some had some good stuff. There were some like some scenes, like individual scenes that didn't work for me, but there were some good ideas going on. I liked it. Dark Fate is the return of James Cameron to the fold, right? Like that's the most recent one yeah, that he yeah, produced yeah, like, again or whatever. Right. Cool. Oh, I buy that. If Cameron's involved, I'm much more interested. How's the issue with all of them after T two? Well, thank you. I, I, I'm flattered. 
Yeah, what did you do again on that film, Cam? <laughs> Apparently I produced it. <laughs> Producer and best boy, Cameron C. <laughs> I, yeah, I think you got you got some checks due to you, my friend. <laughs> I'll send them to the Burger King at the corner of <laughs> yeah, yeah. Western. That's the catch. <laughs> That's the catch. <laughs> well, I, I look forward to doing our Terminator rankings later on, but first things first, we got to talk about this wonderful, wonderful piece of cinema that's right in front of us. That's Terminator 2 Judgment Day, which was released on July the 3rd of 1991. It was directed by James Cameron, written by James Cameron and William Wisher, and stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda Hamilton, Robert Patrick, Joe Morton, and introducing Edward Furlong. Poor troubled Edward Furlong. Great in this movie, though. This was, yeah, this was his claim to fame. I mean, it's always dicey when you've got a, a very prominent child actor in a big budget motion picture. Without any real acting experience, right. too. Right, yeah. As, as I've read. <laughs> and as we know from certain Star Wars films, uh, it is not always well received. I mean, I think he's great in this. I assume that there was little complaints from the fan base and from critics at the time. I, I didn't, I don't recall anyone making fun of him the way that my peers made fun of that poor actor who played Anakin Skywalker in episode yeah. one uh, when we were a little bit older. So, well, this, this is a renowned movie. You know, I feel like, um, if this movie was not good, he, he might have had a terrible time. <laughs> right. Which just makes it all the more baffling about episode one. Cause, you know. <laughs> That's a great movie, too. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't get it. (laughs) Yeah, what the heck? And as we all know, the kid in Jurassic Park 3 has gone on to incredible heights of fame. William H. Macy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was a very very old-looking 14-year-old in that movie. He's he's always been very boyish, no matter how old he is. Yeah. Oh, man. So before we we dive into more about performances and everything else in this film, let's refresh our memories. Without the aid of time displacement equipment, we have our intrepid recapper, Cam Seamer, to give us the Judgment Day recap. Spoilers ahead. It's 1995. Sarah Connor is the mother of John Connor, a teenager who's supposed to become the leader of the human resistance to a machine army in a dystopian future. In the first film, Sarah previously thwarted a Terminator, a robot assassin sent back in time by the machines to prevent John's birth. Now she's in a mental hospital and has lost custody of John because no one believes her story or that Judgment Day is coming, the supposed date when an artificial intelligence called Skynet will turn on humans and cause the nuclear holocaust. Skynet sends a new model of Terminator back in time to kill John, the T-1000, with liquid metal shape-shifting abilities. We see the arrival of another Terminator, the same Model 101 from the first film, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. The two Terminators converge on John in a shopping mall, and it turns out that Model 101 is actually a good guy, sent by the Resistance to protect John. They become best friends and go to break Sarah out of the mental hospital as the seemingly unkillable T-1000 relentlessly pursues them, leaving a trail of bodies in his wake. Sarah learns about the present-day scientist whose research will lead to Skynet, Miles Dyson, 
and sneaks away to try to kill him and prevent the rise of Skynet, but she's unable to in front of his wife and son. John and Model 101 show up, tell Miles about his future, and he agrees to help them break into the Cyberdyne building to destroy his research. They trip the alarms, the police arrive, Dyson is shot, but not before rigging an explosion that takes out the whole building. T-1000 catches up to the heroes, cornering them in a steel mill where they fight. Model 101 eventually defeats him with a grenade launcher, sending his liquid metal body into the molten steel. Model 101 then says that he has to self-destruct so that his parts can't be reverse engineered. He bids a sad farewell to the Connors before lowering himself into the molten steel, and Sarah and John ride off, hopeful that the future has been saved. The end. But has it? I don't know. <laughs> There's four more movies to watch before you can know the answer to that. <laughs> but this one this one tells a pretty complete story. Excellent recap. I, I, I do have a question. I guess the nomenclature of Arnold's character. What do you guys usually say? Do you say the Model 101 or do you usually say T-800? I, I feel like I, I didn't know technically what it was. I always thought it was like T-101 or something or T-100. For some reason, I thought it was T-100. Mm-hmm. But I think that's just you know my brain like conflating different facts and um, <laughs> I mean because model one one it's not wrong it's just you yeah. know he has he's two different designations <laughs> that's what yeah no I saw that and, I, and it, Wikipedia was saying model one oh one and it seems like T eight hundred didn't really I don't know when was the first mention of T eight hundred was it in the first two movies I thought or? it was in the Terminator I thought T eight hundred was what what Reese calls it yeah what Reese calls it exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, maybe it's like Baron, Berenstain Bears or whatever. Berenstain Bears, you know? Um, well, I also have here, which I'll be talking about later too, but the novelization of Terminator 2 Ooh. by R- Randall Frakes. And it's funny because throughout most of this, I, I, I don't know, I think he might use Model 101 and T-800 interchangeably at times, but most of the time he just says Terminator. He calls that character Terminator. Yeah, yeah. And the T-1000 is the T-1000, so there you have it. That's probably actually more likely what I would have said as a kid. I was like, yeah, it's just the Terminator. <laughs> There's a, there was a whole movie about him. It was yeah. called The Terminator. Right. So that's <laughs> the, the Terminator. <laughs> T-1000 is a, a Terminator, but he's not the Terminator. The Terminator, yeah. Well, I think T-800 is what is what <laughs> the Terminator is designated in, the Terminator. And I think Model yeah. 101 may be from T-2. But, you know, don't quote me on that. That's just, I did a quick fandom search I, just now. So, I mean, I think, honestly, it was most of the time as a kid, I just referred to him as Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> Were you guys big Arnold heads as, as kids? Like, when, when these oh, movies, yeah. when, well. I think because of this movie. Right, right. Yeah, uh, I was, but, Well, actually, maybe a kindergarten cop before this. I was really. I, I might have seen that before. I was trying to, like, because I was a huge Arnold Schwarzenegger fan. And I was, like, trying to figure out why. I, I was really trying to plumb my memories to determine the source of my Arnold fandom because <laughs> I wasn't allowed to see, like, any of his movies as a kid. Um, <laughs> and, like, my parents relented and let me watch The Last Action Hero. But that was, like, because I kept being, like, I want to see a racer. Why won't you let me see a racer? You know? <laughs> and my dad, like, brought home... The last action hero one day. I was like, here's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie we can all watch. <laughs> and I like do remember seeing his comedies like uh like Jingle All the Way or uh Kindergarten Cop. But I remember as a kid like being like, These are fake Arnold movies. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> this isn't this isn't what Arnold why you go to see an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Like this is, they're just trying yeah. to trick me. 
Where's the blood? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I must have had a lot of friends who were really into Arnold and were allowed to see mm. his R-rated films as a kid. I think that I think that's probably why I was so into Arnold Schwarzenegger, despite not really seeing too many of his movies. When did you see T2 then for the first time? It's definitely on video. Fun side note: T2 Judgment Day was my wife's favorite movie as a child when she was four years old. This was her favorite movie. So her parents had a a, a much more uh, liberal uh, (laughs) idea of what they would allow their kids to watch growing up. Incidentally, she also had... Get out of here. Why isn't she the guest? (laughs) Yeah, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's taking care of our children. So shout out to a real one. Pour one out for her. Uh, But she also had night terrors as a child. And we, we watched both the Terminator and T2 in the last week as I was preparing to come on your show and um and now she can't stop screaming <laughs> in her sleep <laughs> no, but she did. talks about judgment day all the time i think of like the nuke scene where you know all the kids are in the playground yeah. and the nuke goes off she was like gosh i wonder why i had night terrors i just don't i, I can't can't figure out why what apparently i also had night terrors my my parents say this i don't remember them but Apparently, I did too. Yeah, she doesn't remember. The and movie. maybe this, Thankfully. maybe it's this movie. <laughs> uh, but um, back to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I remember what movies I wanted to see and what movies I was allowed to see was a long-running point of contention in the Borders Ash household growing up. I was, I mean, I remember. I can't. It must have been Batman Returns. I think when Batman Returns came out. I remember like screaming in the backseat of the car. So my mom drove me home from school or something, screaming like, why would they make a Batman movie that's not for children? <laughs> <laughs> and then like, I also remember throwing a crazy tantrum when my parents were trying to go see Jurassic Park and theaters. Like they were trying to have a nice date night and I threw a tantrum because I wanted to see the dinosaur movie. <laughs> they did leave. Uh, while I continued to scream and cry, and my aunt and uncle must have had a good night. Um, and so this could, I mean, like, I remember, like, Saving Private Ryan coming out, and, and being like, I want to see Saving Private Ryan, and my parents being like, fuck no! (laughs) (laughs) But I think, so I definitely saw The Terminator before I saw T2. I actually have a clear memory of watching The Terminator, because there was a, a short period of my life when I was maybe, like, 10 to 13, when my mom like would select which R-rated movies I could watch, and it was based on like whether or not she thought they were good, I think. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so she loved the Terminator, and so she, I remember like watching the Terminator with her, and like her maybe skipping a couple of scenes. Um, the boobies. <laughs> no, not the boobies. I don't think she had a problem with that. I think it was more violence. <laughs> Oh, man. James Cameron and his well, movies. That's another topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting, too, because the further back you go, you know, with what they can do with effects and makeup and stuff, like the violence, it, it's a little bit different than, you know. Yeah. Totally. There's a big gap between the like the, the realism of the violence in T2 as compared to the Terminator. Right. I was thinking about that because it's interesting that you mentioned that because I found um, upon rewatching it, because it's been, I mean... I don't think I've seen any Terminator movie since I saw like Terminator Salvation in theaters in 2009 or whatever that was. Yeah. And so like on revisiting 
the Terminator and T2, I was struck by how much more disturbing the Terminator was than T2, even though I completely agree with you as a child and like on its face, the violence in T2 is definitely like much more explicit. There's a lot more of it. And in the Terminator, it's much more sort of, you know, there, there's lots of cuts away from the murders. And But in the Terminator, I mean, you've got like this killer of women stalking like a name in a phone book and, um, Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's got the whole gritty 1980s, um, like, sleazy vibe to it. It's all, like, mostly shot at night. It just, I I was like, I found it much more, like, spooky yeah. and creepy than T2, which is just like, a, as an adult, you know, generally do not have night terrors <laughs> from fictional things that I see. Uh, <laughs> to me, it's very similar to the Alien franchise, where it's like, the first one is a horror film. Yeah. Right. The totally. second one's an action yeah, film. Totally. I was going to say. Yeah, the Terminator is basically a slasher movie. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's probably the secret to, you know, making a sequel that's great is just to make it a different genre entirely. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> James Cameron knows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I saw I saw T2 at some point, I think in late middle school, early high school. I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. So uh, later. And Interesting. Yeah, and could, uh, but, but then, you know, I, I was finally able to get my, my, my Arnold fix, so I was, like, blitzing all of his movies, you know? Like, I was, I, mm. I'm pretty sure I've seen just about every Arnold movie. I was looking back through his IMDb list, and it's like, there are a couple there from the very beginning of his career that I haven't seen. But the, like, bodybuilding one, you know, the one where he's like, milk is for babies. There's, like... Yeah. Pumping, uh, pumping iron. Pumping iron, yeah. Like, I've seen that movie. Dan, have you seen have you seen The Long Goodbye? Oh, yeah. I don't think I have, the actually. No, I haven't seen the long goodbye. That's like a that's like a cameo. I didn't even know he was going to be in it, and it's just like a cameo before he was anybody. And like, holy shit, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah. He's standing there in the corner. Yeah, you were throwing me off because I'm like, that's like not even his era, right? I mean, seventies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think his first like credited like thing was, um, or like the first time he was like playing a character is in Hercules in New York, Hercules, which I believe yeah, was yeah. 1971. Right. What are you saying? I am Hercules. You know, he's he's just he just goes and he fights he fights a guy in a bear costume and it's it's really nothing to recommend about it. But no, see Conan. That's where it all Don't began. See Hercules. See Conan. Yeah, Conan. Conan's way better. Um, long goodbye. Wow, that's wild. Is he? What did he play? Like, what? That's Elliot Gould. That's an Altman movie, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. an Altman like detective story. Yeah. Um, so he's just he's, like a henchman. Just, yeah, he's like the hired muscle, right yeah. at the yeah. end. And he's, he's got a great scene that I won't that we won't spoil because <laughs> you got to just watch it. All right, everybody, it's a great movie. It's, it's see the long goodbye. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, that's a gap in my Altman oeuvre. Cam, when did you see Terminator Two? Yeah, so a lot of these things Dan was saying uh, rings true to my experience as well. Just like the parental disapproval of the Terminator franchise, or just like R-rated movies. Um, I remember my brother like telling me about the first time we saw Terminator. So I, I reached out to him to like get the story <laughs> and he said we rented it and that he remembers badgering my mom. We quote wore her down <laughs> <laughs> and she finally relented and let us watch it. And then, um, yeah, my parents were both pissed <laughs> mostly at the language. It wasn't huh. like the violence necessarily. I think it was the the language they had the most issue with. To which you said, which, chill out, dickwad. <laughs> <laughs> which is funny because I feel like my sister got like, you know, 10 years after me was like, she drops F-bombs yes. all the time. like, And it's yeah. no big deal in our house. And it's like, 
what? (laughs) 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 But yeah, so I saw it like, you know, pretty shortly after it was released on VHS, I think. Oh, thanks. So you're pretty young then. Yeah, yeah. I would have been like four. Yeah. (laughs) Four or five. Yeah. So yeah, pretty young. Um, Actually, it came out on video in December, but I, I definitely remember my brother went as the Terminator for Halloween. And I guess that must have been like 92. Unless he was like excited about it and like went as Terminator before we even saw it, which maybe it happened, but he had the coolest costume because, um, there was like this thing you could buy. Actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share my screen so you guys can see this, um, product, which is the Terminator 2 Metallic Cyborg Makeup Kit, which is like, oh, that's uh, sweet. Basically like ha- half of a robot face yeah. that you could like put over your eye and then like you could it came with like makeup to blend it into your skin so mm-hmm. that it would look like you're like a battle damaged terminator and the best part was that it actually lit up too like you could you could light up the eye uh, so my brother was just like walking around it's like a light up cyborg eye and makeup that made it look like he was half a terminator and it was so cool <laughs> I-, I love that the guy in the photo of you know advertising the product is not wearing the metallic cyborg eye like he's wearing something similar to it but it's clearly not the same thing and he looks kind of like Dolph Lundgren (laughs) he does (laughs) this is pretty rad though I I think yeah you've showed this to me before Cam and it's just like oh man what a cool thing that actually can kind can kind of look as it's intended to yeah yeah Yeah, like they're working like that's that's probably the most memorable costume of my brothers that I can remember I'm just like, man, that was cool. I, th- I think that same year, maybe it was 91, because I feel like the same year I went as Robin Hood, and I think that was very much like a Prince of Thieves-inspired uh, <laughs> thing. So we were both like repping 1991 films. Yeah. <laughs> Top box office earners of 1991. <laughs> Hell yeah. But while we're on the topic of merch, we also had like a couple action figures from this movie. All Arnold. So to answer your earlier question, we definitely had like an Arnold phase. Because the only T2 action action figures we had were the Terminator, like two right. or three of them. But my favorite mm-hmm. one was uh, this one. It was the Power Arm Terminator. <laughs> who you had know, from the movie. Who had, of course, the battle damage face. But he had like different arm attachments you could you could put on. Like so there's one that like shoots a, a missile, there's one that's like a claw, and then there's one that's like a human arm but like exposed robot. And a pink turtle underneath. That's like a nice. Yeah. That's a nice little <laughs> touch. I love. I mean, I love the like all the pink in this. Um, even the, the cover the, art. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Power Arm Terminator uh, is in pink, and then the like <laughs> drawing of of the art, artist impression of the Power Arm Terminator is like must be standing in front of like a neon pink sign or something. <laughs> it's all pink reflective. Yeah. I, I like it. You know, it wasn't approved that we watched it, but we could still get the merch and we could still like celebrate the movie. <laughs> That's what these are all about. <laughs> Behind the disapproving parental eye. Yeah. Yeah. Just just make it a phenomenon. Yeah. How about you, Eric? What's your story? Well, I had a much more restrictive household, I think, when it came to R rated movies. It just like was out of the question. But also I think watching movies was not something we did as a family probably as often as others. And my parents weren't the type really to be interested in Arnold Schwarzenegger or action movies quite like this. My dad was more of a James Bond person. But fair, fair. 
<laughs> we did love Kindergarten Cop uh, as watched that as a family, but Arnold didn't come on my radar as like one of my favorite celebrities ever until later in my life, like when I was in high school, maybe. I do remember, though, like being in grade school, coming across T2 while channel surfing, but it's the part where they're in Cyberdyne and mm. Miles Dyson has been shot. He's about to die and he's taking those like very short staccato breaths yeah. Yeah. and like the camera's just zooming in on his wide glassy eyes like <gasps> he's so good in that scene that is like <laughs> such a good death scene so to continue with the theme of trauma it's like this is what terminator 2 is i don't want to watch that yeah oh man <laughs> and i probably didn't catch up with it till like end of high school or maybe even in college when i went through i just ripped through a bunch of arnie movies and loved them yeah. <laughs> loved them all totally the thing that scarred me was T-1000, like his creepiness, you know, the, it's such a good performance by Robert Patrick, like yeah. just like that cold, icy stare, the way he like doesn't seem to blink. And anytime he like takes a blow, it's he like contorts his body in such like an alien way. Oh, it's, it's, it's great. It's such a good physical performance. I had like, obviously like I remembered all, you know, most of the most of the, the big moments in, in the movie from the, you know, umpteen times I saw it as a kid, but um, I'd forgotten about his finger knives mm. and how horrifying they are. And, like, the scene when he has gone to, uh, you know, John Connor's foster family's house and mm-hmm. has killed his foster parents and is, you know, has shapeshifted into his foster mother and is on the phone with John Connor trying to convince him to come home. And it's just there with, with his, his knife finger through the head of his, his foster father, you know, as his wife, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh like pinning was, him to the wall. <laughs> yeah. Like that was very unsettling. That was just a very unsettling yeah. tableau. Yeah. And then the later scene where he, um, does the same thing, you know, stabs another guy in the head, the, the, the guard at the, uh, um, at yeah. the, mental institution where Sarah Connor is uh, uh, trapped. And, like, the the actor does an amazing job of doing, like, death convulsions as the, you know, finger knife goes through his head. And again, I was just like, man, this is gnarly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reminded of John Carpenter's The Thing, like, mm-hmm. with a lot, oh, yeah. of the, a lot of the violence in, in the... Totally. Especially, like, D-1000 when he's, like, maimed or, like, his face gets blown in half. Or oh, at the yeah. end when he's like screaming in this like it's like this alien scream. Didn't James Cameron work on a thing with John Carpenter? He definitely worked on some John Carpenter movies. Hmm. Maybe it must no because because when did the thing come out? The thing came out in like eighty seven or something, right? Eighty two. Oh, eighty two. Okay, so maybe it was. I feel like it was like Halloween or something, but no, because Halloween's too early. Hmm. Because I know that okay. Because he, um, he, for sure, he, there, there is definitely a link there. I know that he like worked with John Carpenter in like the early '80s. So maybe, anyway, right, Eric, you may, might have the answer. Yeah, I just looked it up on his filmography. So James Cameron did special visual effects on Escape from New York, ah, 1981. Mm-hmm. Right, because of course we all know James Cameron was like a truck driver in California, yeah. um, and saw Star Wars: A New Hope. And that allegedly is like what got him so excited about making movies. He decided to drop everything he was doing and become a filmmaker. Yeah. Got in with Roger Corman. Yeah. Cause he's, you know, he did a bunch of, uh, work for Roger Corman and Prana 2, I think was his first movie. Yeah. And I haven't seen it. Uh, 
but yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's why it's also interesting to revisit the Terminator, because it's clearly like, I think in concept, they were like, you know, they thought it would be in that vein, like, here's, you know, here's going to be another like quick pulpy sci-fi movie, sci-fi horror movie, but then James Cameron just turned it into something timeless. Totally. It's so, you know, like, oh, a bunch of, like, Oh, I like James Cameron movies. You know, I also like uh, uh, Star Wars movies and and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, like the most successful or one of the most you know <laughs> box office successful directors of all time. Like, big surprise. <laughs> I also like his movies, but um, I'm I was just struck by like in watching the Terminator and T two at like how good a director he is. <laughs> just like yes. how meticulous mm-hmm. he is. Oh yeah, and. Apparently, like, he was a, a big, you know, tinkerer, and he liked to build things as a kid and stuff, and, like, you just, I really feel like you really see that in both The Terminator mm-hmm. and T2, just his his delight in, like, constructing things, like terrifying Man. robot men. The, the, <laughs> thing that, the thing that strikes me, every time I watch it, like, in my adult life, production value is so slick. Like, it's so good-looking. So many just moving camera shots, like dollies, tracking shots. Yeah. The practical stunts are incredible. Like just stunt guys getting dragged by vehicles, falling out of moving vehicles, like just giant semis crashing into things. Like, ugh. And, and the opening, the opening, the, the dystopian future. Mm-hmm. So good looking. Like, <laughs> yeah, especially after having just seen The Terminator, where like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's very sort of B movie, um, mm. all the future sequences. And then like, oh, the, 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 you know, the T800, uh, actually like moves you know i mean i think it was early cgi maybe or something um a combination of practical effects and cgi but of course in the terminator it's like once arnold has melted away and it's just the 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 robot exoskeleton chasing sarah connor at the end like you're like oh this is stop motion like this is very clearly stop motion and then seeing that what eight years later what they did with t2 to your yeah. point, Cam, it just looks so much better. Yeah. <laughs> That's often the reason I love sequels so much is because I'm like, God damn, they look so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Also, something else I was struck by both The Terminator and T2 that totally went over my head as a kid is, like, the politics of it. Like, because, you know, James Cameron is... I kind of always lump James Cameron in with, this is, this is going to be sacrilegious that I'm going to even utter these guys' names in the same sentence as James Cameron, so forgive me, but like the Rousseau brothers, Rousseau, Rousseau Anthony and Joe Ro- Rousseau, 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 Rousseau? Yeah. yeah, Rousseau, Porco Rousseau, not not <laughs> not in style or 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 skill or anything, but just in that like they you know like Anthony and Joe Rousseau, of course their 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 big break um, was the Winter Soldier which is like this movie that plays at being sort of transgressive and, and having something to say about the military industrial complex while in fact actually just reinforcing all of those things. You know, it's just like, it's a movie where it's like, no, 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 you just want the good army on your side. Mm-hmm. And so I I think, you know, of course, James Cameron is, is, old, is like essentially the Potter familius of like all of these guys. You know, like he's the guy, him and Spielberg, and to a lesser extent, I guess, um, Lucas, like they built the mold for all of these, you know, modern filmmakers making these action movies. But, like, man, Cameron is such a, like, working-class director. Like, his perspective is so blue-collar, you know, of the people in a way that 
you know, any of this Marvel shit is not. And then also just the fact that in both movies, the cops are like either getting murdered <laughs> or, uh, and, and like just bumbling. And then in the, in the second movie, like, it's literally the bad guy, like, the T-1000, right. even though he's not actually a police officer, is a cop. Like, he's dressed as a cop the whole movie. And then the big, you know, climactic set piece is <laughs> literally Arnold shooting a bunch of cops. I was just, like, <laughs> well, blown away. Not shooting them. Not hitting them. <laughs> just, just just blowing up their right. cars. <laughs> well, and, and then the SWAT team comes in. And he shoots them all in the knees, and it's like, yeah. and it's like, all right, uh, didn't That's kill that, them, yeah. just uh, just gave them all chronic pain and debilitating injuries for the rest of their lives by blowing out all their knees. <laughs> but yeah, like, like I just I, there were certain things in both of these movies where I was like, I don't feel like these movies could be made today because they're actually politically pretty transgressive. Uh, especially it would for, hit, yeah. Especially for the you know the early '90s or whatever. Like I don't know. I was just it would it would hit way different. I was like trying to dig. I didn't dig too deep, but like contemporary reactions. I really didn't find anything about like the you know the controversy of having a cop as this incredibly evil villain. And I guess I guess getting the way you get away with that is like well he's not really a cop. He's this killer machine from the future but still like right but the symbolism it's, it's is there, there. It, yeah. yeah symbolism yeah. is 100 percent. it's yeah. like hitting you over the head yeah. practically yeah <laughs> and of course i mean this is like this came out right after the you know horrific beating of uh um um that's right rodney king rodney king thank you um right. in la yeah yeah and he's yeah in la pd yep yeah was it after or was it before was that 92? well it came out in december of 92 right no well the no, no, no the, the movie came out in July of 91. Yeah. But the, uh, the Rodney King beating, well, that occurred in 19, 1992 was when the, the, the trial, the trial was happened. and the verdict right, came right. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Okay. But it did, yeah, the, yeah. the incident happened, I believe, in 1991. Yeah. So, Either I mean, way, it's all very timely. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, it, then as now, it was in the ether. Um, horrific police. Plot twist. Fatality. It's always in the ether. Yeah. It's always happening. <laughs> <laughs> never, it has never gone away. <laughs> yeah. It's a, yeah. Like, obviously, yeah, you make this. 2021 you're you're gonna make a much bigger statement like it or it will just be read as a statement in a way that it wasn't in 1991 it's it's kind of wild yeah well because something i really like about james cameron is that he's pretty inscrutable politically you know i mean maybe avatar less so but generally like he has the bearing of someone who maybe watches fox news and uh (laughs) Has a has a yellow ribbon about, on his car. Yeah, exactly. yeah. State rights, state rights. But then you know you watch his movies and you realize that you know he's a he's a, a big bleeding heart liberal, or maybe he's but maybe he's not. Like obviously, I know I know enough about his biography to know that like he's an environmentalist. You know, he like lives in New Zealand now, where he, he and his wife are like selling um, organic food that they grew on their farm at like a farmer's market or whatever so you know he's definitely got that granola hemp sandals wearing um <laughs> vibe but like his movies feel so like not pandering in the way that movies can feel sometimes where it's like oh you know like if you watch like uh like the latest godzilla movie for example and i i remember a friend of the pod andrew mcnally complaining about how 
it seemed clear that there were many things inserted just for like the international market, specifically like for screening the film in China or whatever. And like James Cameron is so far away from anything like that where you see something and you think like, oh, he's just doing this because like he thinks it'll play. Like it seems like everything that he does, all the choices he makes come from like a real perspective grounded mm-hmm. in his own, yeah, you know, experience and stuff. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, he says these things that, like, I find very interesting and, and, you know, even maybe inflammatory isn't quite the right word, but like, you know, for the time anyway, like pretty controversial. Yeah, thought provoking. Totally. And I think I, I like, you know, what you're getting at, like, which is one of my favorite aspects of T2. It's like the fact that it's an action drama. And it might even be a drama first. More, you know, we think of James Cameron as the guy who goes and blows things up. He recreates the sinking of the Titanic. But at the heart of his stories, you know, there's this emotional, there's an emotional core to it, right? And not only is he an excellent action director in terms of like the tempo and the rhythm and the visuals, but in making each action scene a story in and of itself. And on this rewatch, that was just hitting me in the face every single time because those scenes evolve and breathe and they take moments to like, you know, strike a pose, but also like to give you time to laugh, give you a little bit of relief and then crank the action back up. So I kind of had this theory that if you like go through, if, if one of the themes of Terminator 2 is just, you know, about family and kind of the reunification of a family and the blending of families too, because T-800 becomes very much a father figure to John. You put these scenes together and you can see the family like unit coming together. Like the truck chase is his bonding with his John bonding with his new dad. And the hospital escape is about, you know, reuniting and repairing the relationship with his mom. And the Cyberdyne heist is when they're, this family is finally admitting that they all need each other and they're, they're keeping promises to one another you know, when uh, T-800 looks back at John and says, trust me, you know, we've all learned from each other and we all know that we need each other to survive and work as a unit. And then by the end, when they're in that foundry, there's a deeper understanding of each other that John, even though he's been estranged from his mom for so long, like knows when his mom is not his mom, when it's the T-1000 pretending to be his mom. Also, T-800 understanding human emotion just i now know why it is you cry but it's something i can never do (laughs) that's it right there and then like making sacrifices like the family understanding they have to make sacrifices to each other so like and i'm getting all that as i'm getting awesome semi-truck tanker (laughs) explosions liquid nitrogen men exploding into millions of pieces it's like so much fucking cool stuff but also (laughs) hits me right in the heart i love it totally yeah no i love i love that i love the the through line of like T-800 learning to be a human. And, I, and I'm also thinking of the scene where Sarah Connor's just kind of off to the side, like na- doing the narration. She's observing John with the Terminator and she's narrating and talking about like basically what a good father figure he is. She's like, it would never get drunk and hit him. Yeah. He's a great listener too. He just, cause he yeah. remembers everything. <laughs> uh, and, and that's something that does come into play in Dark Fate that I liked. It was like kind of, the dad vibes of of the Terminator of of the T eight hundred in a cool way, uh, which I won't spoil for Dan. But when you see it, it's it's kind of a fun I will fun see, building yeah. building yeah. on that on that theme. Totally, dad vibes, which I'm sure you can relate to. One hundred percent. You just relate. You know, you you remember 
your kids teaching you how to give a thumbs up and a high five. <laughs> My father, the killing machine. Yes. But the well, the thing I did notice too, though, is like a great fatherly trait he has is just complete honesty. He's just like, he, he, he always explains very clearly like what he's thinking, why he's doing what he's doing. Never going to lie to his, his boy, John Connor. It's true. I mean, their, their relationship is, it, it doesn't feel like it should work, but it really, it works very well, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's credit to Arnold and the actor who plays the boy. Yeah. Eddie Furlong. Eddie Furlong. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, f- I feel like Arnold is kind of like entering into his like kids movie, family movie phase. You know, he, he had just done Kindergarten Cop the year before this. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this made this made sense to like going from the, the slasher movie killer to now the family man. Hero, more heroic. Yeah. T-800's basically like John Connor's action figure in this movie. Like he literally responds to his every command you know, he's there to just, like, do the bidding of this kid like an action figure. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking about, you know, sometimes we, we bring up, like, themed trilogies or themed quadrilogies in some cases. So I'm, I'm going to propose a, an Arnold Schwarzenegger quadrilogy, the action figure man quadrilogy, starting with T2 in the 90s, starting with T2, where he's a literal action figure man. He You know, he's he's there to be posed controlled by the, the child and he breaks over the course of the movie like an action and figure. then he has to be tossed away yeah because yeah. <laughs> john's growing up he has to accept his adult destiny exactly and then uh two years later we have last action hero which is kind of the deconstruction of the action figure um creating a, a literal physical distinction between actor and figure you know because it's very meta and it kind of splits those two personas apart and then three years later we have jingle all the way where he's the action figure dad <laughs> he's, he's the literal provider of action figures who then becomes the action figure by the end of it and then of course finally we have the total subversion where he indulges in the masculine hero trope so much to the point of villainy and becomes the villain the action figure villain in batman and robin <laughs> It all comes back to Batman and Robin. Frequently. Frequently it does. If it's not Star Wars on this podcast. (laughs) Star Wars, Batman and Robin, or Scream 2. It's one of those three. I like it. I like this quadrilogy. I was wondering if there was going to be a way to fit in, like, true lies, but... Mm. It's not as kid-friendly. Yeah, it it works on its own. (laughs) Yeah. Although True Lies was another one of the early Arnold offerings that my parents compromised on for, mm. for me. And then there's that strip scene. <laughs> I can't see. It's so funny. Like, my parents were not concerned with sex mm. or, or language so much. Although I think they were more concerned with language than sex, honestly, but <laughs> they were, they had a very, they were very lackadaisical about, uh, you know, any sort of sexual content. But when it came to the violence, that was what they brought the hammer down on. So of course, I was like missing all these, all these golden opportunities that my parents gave me for horniness because I was so deprived of violence, and that's what I was concerned with. No, why won't you let me see these violent movies? I don't care that you'll let me see Titanic as many times as I want or whatever. <laughs> Academy Award winning film. Yeah. Titanic. Don't they know? I mean, Don't they know a nipple is way more dangerous <laughs> than a gun? 
<laughs> you won't hear me badmouth Titanic, man. I, I think that's a great movie. Um, maybe a little long, but I love it. I, every time I watch it, I, I find I enjoy it more, honestly. Um, we're fans. We're fans, too, for sure. I, yes, I know. I mean, has James Cameron made a bad movie besides the the one that he... Uh, we were talking about earlier, Eric, that you Piranha mentioned was officially first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, because that was like, uh, there's another director who left right. for one yeah, reason yeah. or another. Yeah, yeah, he then... picked up the slack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Avatar is my least favorite Cameron film. I mean, that's, not, I... that's not a bad worst film. Yeah, totally. No. <laughs> I, I get... I guess I would agree with I, you. I don't think True Lies is quite as memorable as anything, everything else he's made. That would probably be yeah. at the bottom for me. Because I can still... It's been a while. Still, there's still interesting things about Avatar, but True Lies was really just mm-hmm. a name on a poster type of movie. It's just like, it's Schwarzenegger and Cameron in an action movie. <laughs> and Arnold, excuse me? Tom Arnold. Yes, Arnold, Arnold and Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> but most importantly, Bill Paxton. Who uh, also... Uh, featured in in the Terminator, yes. uh, which I completely forgot about when I saw him playing. It's funny too seeing Bill Paxton, who I always, you know, I mean, obviously, I think I think the first thing I oh, certainly the first thing I was aware I saw him in was Apollo thirteen, right? So he's always been a heroic kind of person to me, but also seeing him play like an L.A. punk with <laughs> with the uh, you know greased hair and the mohawk and all that stuff and um, hey man what's going what's on your malfunction you know, man <laughs> like is so far away from you know the folksy sort of southern almost or country <laughs> yeah, type yeah, of yeah. you know guy that i imagine most of the time on the pick us bill <laughs> yeah 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 twister yeah that's right yeah <laughs> well speak oh you know twister might have been the first thing i saw him in actually nice anyway. well speaking of T-800 introductions, there's a pretty iconic one in T-2. <laughs> kind of bearing out the fact, like, like oh, yeah. you take everything Terminator does and, like, you know, crank it up to 11. Bad to the bone, baby. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is our second episode in a row talking about bad to the bone needle yes. drops. <laughs> <laughs> Tis the season, I guess. Yeah, we talked about, Dan, we talked about that in our last episode, the parent trap from 1998, which... That's oh, kind of an inexplicable right. bad to the bone needle drop, but it's there. <laughs> and I remarked like yeah. at the time, like that was my first bad to the bone needle drop because I had not yet seen Terminator 2. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan? Yeah, this, the, the Lindsay that, Lohan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, T2 was my first. Nice. And and it might be the tr- the trope codifier. It might be the first one to really do it. Bad. I think T2 must have been my first too. But I don't know. Dad, it was like kind it's, of communicating <laughs> to us. Uh, it's oh, so man. iconic. Yeah. Well, just yeah. like like yeah, it, it's the acquisition of the costume too. Those you know. Yeah. When you can pull that off as well as you can a Terminator too, man, <laughs> I'm on board right away with this character. So, and yep. that's also reminded me of something that I was because like, you know, I knew a lot about T2 before I ever saw it because I talked to it about, you know, yeah. I had friends who'd sort of told me the story and whatnot. Um, do you all remember how, like, you know, had you seen the first Terminator when you saw T2? Were you like surprised when it was revealed that of course he's mm-hmm. a good guy? Was that, I mean, maybe that, maybe the marketing had already given it away. I don't know. Right. Um, 
because to me it's like I feel like it was honestly more surprising when I saw the first film for the first time and realized that like Arnold Schwarzenegger, my boy Arnold was playing a bad guy just evil. than it was <laughs> to see the second movie where he's of course the good guy. But mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it's a, it's a, for the first 20 minutes of the movie, you know, they play it intentionally. Yeah. Of course that he's the bad guy. Yeah. yeah. I, I had not seen the first one before this one. I didn't see the first one probably for years after being very familiar with T2. So yeah, to me, it was probably like that. I was just like, oh, he's a bad guy in the first one. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think I probably had the same experience, too, despite not having seen T2, but like just knowing about it through cultural mm-hmm. osmosis. I remember I did mm-hmm. see The Terminator with my dad. You know, we rented it, I think, when I was in middle school or something. And I don't think I was surprised that he was the villain, but it was like, yeah, it was unusual because we're used to Arnold as the hero. Right. And of course, like... Of course he's a villain. Like it's, it's honestly the, the fact that Arnold became like one of the most iconic heroes of all time to me is more surprising than the fact that he, you know, like just the type of, you know, he's got that thick Austrian accent. He's just this gigantic like tree trunk of a man. <laughs> you would think he would just, you know, he'd be like a more of a, uh, oh, what are those like, 14 brothers and their dad who all act. They're all from Sweden. Um, <laughs> the Sarsgaards? Um, the Sarsgaards. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, he'd be more like, uh, you know, um, the the guy who plays the It uh, it monster. Okay, you know? yeah. Mm-hmm. Bill. Bill Sarsgaard. Or even like, yeah. even like a Dave Bautista. Even though he has, hmm. he, he's played heroes yeah. as well, but like, yeah. he's still kind of menacing in every role that he takes. Yeah. It's a credit to the man and 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 that totally like charisma, you know. I think I think if you're ever going to make an argument about Arnold's acting, like you know, an argument for him as a good actor, you have to start with this movie because he this he perfects kind of the robot acting. I know we have a lot of act, mm-hmm. you know, we have a lot of praise for Robert Patrick, well deserved, mm-hmm. of course. But I think like the way that Arnold does it, and especially in light of the way that terminators would be portrayed in the sequels after this one like mm-hmm. his commitment to like acting like a robot getting like that neck swivel just right <laughs> completely dispassionate line readings throughout like all of it and maybe like yeah. subtle very subtle differences when he does start to <laughs> kind of break that facade because he's yeah. learning he's learning about human emotion mm-hmm. um yeah. and he's he's very very slowly <laughs> but like almost imperceptibly changing but you can tell it's there and i think yeah man this is arnold is a good actor i don't care what anyone yeah. else yeah. says this is yeah. the proof <laughs> totally i feel like to go back to dark fate again um <laughs> the scene where arnold comes in is is really great and he like kind of lampshades that because you know he's like a father now and he like he's like listing all the all the reasons why he's like he makes a good father he's like these are my qualities mm-hmm. he's like and I'm funny. And it's just, yeah. <laughs> but it's like that, that robotic reading. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Ironically oh, is funny, but is devoid of emotion. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's a great, great performance. It is. Like, when, when, and when he's, when he's focused too, cause like I, I watched several Terminators as well in preparation for this and in Rise of the Machines, which is another Arnold performance I like, but mm-hmm. there are definitely times when he is just like completely disregarded the fact that he's supposed to be a dispassionate robot. T three, right? Yeah, T three. Yeah, yeah. Like that one isn't 
There are times right, when he's yelling, right. just like in his like, "Come on, get in here and get down," you know, <laughs> like that's that's not the T eight hundred. That one came out in like two thousand three or something, two thousand two, two thousand three, yeah, yeah. I saw that one in theaters. I have no memory of that movie, <laughs> like absolutely none. Um, I don't think I, I think I've only seen it the one time. I remember. Well, I don't remember. I just I. I don't remember anything. I don't even remember thinking like, oh, that was a bad movie or, oh, that was a good movie or that movie had no impact. You know, like I just, I have like absolutely no memory of seeing it. I did not revisit it, but my memory is not bad. Like that wasn't bad. Like, yeah. was my, there are definitely things I like in it. it. There are still things I like in it. And, um, but there are also things I really don't like. In. And, and that was the point, right? Where, um, whoever owned the rights to the Terminator franchise had sold them. And mm-hmm. at this point, like, you know, James Cameron had complete, he wasn't even producing or, you know, consulting or anything right. uh, on the franchise at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Time moves on. Technology moves on, man. It's just another theme. I mean, it's a the theme of Cameron's career, right? Like yeah. he's always yeah. like replacing the last thing with the new thing. So it's fun to watch that being explored very literally in this movie. National Geographic Deep Sea Explorer James Cameron. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the first 20 minutes, too, like as you said, seeing the two robots, you know, before you even realize that, of course, you know that Arnold's a robot, but before you realize that T-1000 is, is also, a, a excuse me, a cyborg. But I feel like that first scene when the T-1000 appears from the singularity the time singularity and is like by the la river or whatever it's mm-hmm. nighttime and the, the police officer walks up do they cut away i i just i i remember watching it and thinking like man they even though they are sort of kind of halfway playing at lampshading that it's the same thing that happened in the last movie right mm-hmm. here's here's arnold you know you're uh bad terminator and here's the human you know of course yeah. but did he just smaller <laughs> skinnier right. slider yeah, of frame yeah. um but did he just but kill then, a cop like what happened ex- exactly <laughs> but then like very quickly he does like a few things that that of course i know that he's the bad guy so there's that but yeah. i just remember thinking like they they aren't trying that hard yeah <laughs> i i have yeah i agree with you like i've definitely heard stories about and i that's i do consider them kind of apocryphal where like cameron meant to like you know, keep everyone guessing. And then the marketing, like the trailer for the movie, you know, spoiled it. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. You watch the actual movie. It's, it's hard not to think like at the very most you might think, Oh, there are two evil terminators after this. Kid. Yeah. 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 I mean, I kind of like that. I like that, yeah. that they don't try to do too much of a gotcha right. because you know, it's not about that. It's yeah. not, and I mean, I mean, like the, the action itself is like scary to John too. It's like, mm-hmm. oh shit, Arnold is getting out a shotgun. I should run. Yeah, like that makes sense. Like I, I'm not like, don't worry, he's a good guy. He's like, oh, that, that is scary. Like, ah mm-hmm. oh, man, and you don't action- see the bad guy yet. So why is he yeah. getting out a shotgun? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's also just works from a character standpoint for both of the Connors. For John, this is like his mom has obviously yeah. told him about this and. Yeah. Especially for Sarah when, when T eight hundred shows up at the hospital and just is yeah. like Man, I love terror. I love all these convergences of characters too, like T eight hundred, T one thousand and John all come together at that moment yeah. and then yep. 
this in the arcade. Talking about, like, the four of them. Is it the four of them? Does T-1000 come to the hospital? Yep. I forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When he walks to the yeah, arms. Yeah. And yeah. then the four of them, all the, all the main characters at the hospital. Mm-hmm. So... Oh man, and then that's another another aspect of the movie that you know where once again, I just I felt like James Cameron was you know taking a stance you know a a, a moral stance that he didn't have to do that felt again surprising to me, which is the all of the you know all of the scenes in the in the mental hospital where you know Sarah Connor is just being like tortured by the psychiatrist and the orderly and mm-hmm. um and of course i mean we know that 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 happens um but you know they they play it a bit for laughs which i think is good because you know it's it's a funny movie and it's it, like the, the the specifically like the the shrink character is like a funny character yes. um and i and i like that um model citizen yeah. <laughs> I'm all peering in at her. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the scene, you know, there's just like, just first of all, seeing Sarah Connor in like such a, such a powerless, weak uh, situation is like so painful because she's such a badass. And like, mm. you just feel how like painful it is for her. And, and it just, it's, it's so like antithetical to like the archetype that, that she and Sigourney Weaver also, you know, at the, around the same time with the aliens movies, like were, was like sort of perfecting right. like the hot chick with gun, which now has like a, also just become a meme. But I think that, I mean, maybe they weren't, they should now I'm sure it was like heavy metal magazine and, 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 you know, a bunch of B movies and stuff from the eighties was probably the, the yeah. real birth of that sort of idea. But like, that's very, you know, they were the sort of the mainstream cultural, apotheosis of that and just like the the orderly like this this brutish man who towers over her and abuses her i just like really Mm. was really disturbing yeah yeah yeah. well one thing i like about that is like they're coming to save her from the the hospital but she doesn't need saved because she was like escaping Mm -hmm. at that exact moment like there yeah (laughs) yeah she was already like on it but but they still converge and and I, i like that and i also like just her growth from the first movie to the second movie. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. this is, this is a big reason why I love sequels is because like, there's like an ellipsis, there's like an omission of, of character growth. And you're like, Oh shit, this person's here now. That's cool. Like you, you kind of see, or you don't see this growth that they've gone through and you get to learn about it in the sequel. Mm -hmm. And that's always like a fun part of, of sequels in my mind. Especially if you're looking at the final scene of the Terminator, you're like, you're thinking, oh, of course. Like, it's, she's like speaking into her tape recorder about, you know, unsure about what the future holds and is, you know, mm-hmm. going to try and, you know, she's surviving for her unborn son. But you, then you see Terminator 2 and you're like, yeah, of course, <laughs> of course, this is how her life went. Like, ima- yeah. imagine living with yeah. that knowledge and that yeah. burden of, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to your point, Dan, like, it, it's like the, the tough, female action star trope like the reason like it is so powerful here in its establishment is because there is a point of view behind it there is a like an ideology behind it we're talking about a woman who you know is kind of gaslit her viewpoint is not listened to it is not accepted mm-hmm. and this whole movie is about getting other people to understand you know even if they don't want to what totally. it, what what the truth is so, man, it taps into so much bleak 
and dark shit. I kind of love whenever she like punctures the movie's fun bubble. Like when they're at the Dyson house and <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they've let Miles Dyson know that he's going to be largely responsible for nuclear Holocaust. And he's, well, and he's like, he's just he... like, give me a break, man. And she's just like, no, <laughs> you don't know. It's like, all you think about is how to destroy things. You've never created something. And the fact that she shoots him, that she actually yeah. like, shoots him is also like a very, uh, like a, a dark turn that I had forgotten. And I, as I was watching it, I was like, oh yeah. I mean, like T1000 is going to show up or like Arnold and, you know, John will get there and, um, and interrupt her, which they sort of do. But like, yeah, like the fact that she actually like, you know, shoots him in the arm and, and, and then there's that great scene where she, you know, kind of realizes how far she's gone and that she, she's become more I mean, like yeah. the Terminator and, you know, yeah. the Terminator is yeah. becoming more human. <laughs> yeah. But like, I mean, it's such a, it's such a good scene because he's such a likable guy, mm-hmm. even though you know that, that he is like a Robert Oppenheimer character. Yeah. And violence uh, sounds like he was also a pretty likable guy, <laughs> but you empathize with her. Like, I remember thinking like, God, I don't like, you know, knowing what she knows and, and like what he represents and what potentially killing him could do to, to prevent, you know, a horrible future and death of literally billions of people. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a classic trolley problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just really good because you, in so many other movies, it's like they present the same sort of philosophical choice or, or moral ambiguity, but then you don't care about the characters, you know, or as particularly the, the, the person who is maybe behind the crosshairs. Like, I just thought the fact that they spent some time, and of course, the actor that they cast, who also came full circle this year mm-hmm. in the Snyder Cut as Cyborg's father. Um, <laughs> he, I mean, he's such a talented actor. Like, he just really brings another, like, there's the character that was written, and then there's the character that th- that actor, like, plays. And I just feel like that he almost brings it a whole other level of, there's a word, when a character is complicated and deep, anyway. It's <laughs> a lot of nuance in it. Nuance. nuance. Thank you, nuance, yeah. Anyway... Because, you know, you don't want, like, you know he's going to die. And you don't want him to. It's great. Mm-hmm. He becomes part of the team. Yeah. all is all, Almost all is forgiven. <laughs> yeah, it's, co- it's cool that he, like, acknowledges, you know, and, and helps out. He's just like, oh, I that can't be a too. part of that. Yeah. I have to, <laughs> I have to yeah. help you stop that. <laughs> no questions asked. Like, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I you know, it's pretty convincing when a, a person is giant bodybuilder stands in front of you and cuts off his arm skin to reveal the same robot hand that's at your workplace. Be like, Oh shit. Yeah. (laughs) That would convince me too. Yeah. Um, But also that's a cool thing too, about speaking to your point, Cam, about sequels and the ellipsis is like, Hmm. yeah, someone had to discover like in the ruins of that metal stamping plant in the Terminator, like someone, yeah, yeah, just had to like clean that up and be like, what the hell is this thing? It looks like it got yeah. a and, computer chip inside it. <laughs> right, and that's what makes what is going on with Sarah so much more devious too, is that like you know that they know that she is mm. telling the truth. Yeah. You Someone know? does. And yeah. yeah, maybe not maybe not the shrink or the, the, the people 
directly responsible for her at, at the, the hospital, the mental hospital. But yeah, there are people, powers that be that were like, uh, yeah, we need to disappear her because she is too much of a liability. That's interesting. Like, and, and they, they would be willing to do that without even knowing the whole story. Cause they have no way of knowing like the future war stuff. <laughs> like that right. she's talking about would actually come true but yeah to them i'm sure it's just like what is this lady talking about like she's gonna ruin our profits you know <laughs> and mm. like somehow by just like bringing some negative attention to it yeah so i hadn't thought of that before dan but now you bring it up that is another really interesting and completely possible dimension to that character's journey and, and yeah. the reason and all the reasons why we love to see her win you know totally and, and I guess, and also like all the people that she told, who you know, all the people that she told this story to or were present as she was discovering it in the first movie are dead. <laughs> you know, either the police officers who maybe realized at the very end, like, yeah, this guy is, <laughs> this guy is a cyborg. I keep shooting him. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course. And Kyle Reese dies. Kyle um, Reese, thank you. Yeah, I, I keep wanting to say John Connor. John Connor. <laughs> not john connor um i did briefly want to mention too uh i and i don't think it's in the second movie but in the first movie as the credits roll very prominently i think like right after you know produced by and a james cameron film i forget if it says based on i don't think it says based on i think it says like special thanks or maybe based on characters by oh man i should i should have i should have written down exactly what it says but Point is, Babylon 5 creative consultant Harlan Ellison, uh, he's actually known for many other things besides Babylon 5, but that's how I, that's, that's how I knew him, uh, originally. Uh, so Harlan Ellison's a, a sort of a famous, um, like first wave sci-fi novelist who is, you know, a contemporary of like Asimov and of course didn't get as popular as the Asimovs and Arthur C. Clarks of the world, but was, you know, very much like in that world and, and, um, writing stories at the same time, you know, as, that like sort of in the post world war two sci-fi boom in this country. And he was one, I don't think he was the head writer, but he was one of the, you know, the main writers on the outer limits in the sixties. And he wrote an episode of the outer limits about these two cyborg warriors in the distant future who are transported back in time and the first and and the first one arrives you know back in the 1960s and is um sort of taken in by a a family and sort of learns you know and and, and he's of course all he knows is war and violence and and over the course of the episode they sort of slowly deprogram him and and by the end he's kind of adjusted to his new suburban life yeah. and then the second super soldier uh, materializes in the past, um, having taken a longer route or, you know, been displaced temporally slightly. So he arrives at a late, you know, later and, and they, you know, fight to the death. And it's sort of left ambiguous as to whether or not the one who arrived first, who had this relationship with the family, just reverted back to his original programming, or if it was that he was kind of committing a selfless act to save this family, right? Uh, and that he maybe had actually changed and learned to love. 
Sounds familiar. So, of course, <laughs> it, there are some very familiar aspects to it, right? Mm-hmm. And so Harlan Ellison saw the Terminator and was like, this is bullshit. Uh, they ripped off my story and sued James Cameron and the producers of the movie, and they settled for an undisclosed amount. And the other piece of the settlement was that in the VHS and you know all future releases of the Terminator, they would put in this credit to Harlan Ellison. <laughs> and James Cameron is on the record as saying, like, that was a bad deal. Like, I did not rip off the outer limits. Like, hmm. sure, there are some similarities, like, but, you know, this was my idea. So I just thought that was a very interesting little piece of apocrypha about the Terminator movies. I think yeah. T2 shows that James Cameron still had a lot of story left in him beyond yeah. just, you know, possibly ripping off a, um, a classic sci-fi episode of the Island i know episode. like hearing that and just like kind of knowing what we know about james cameron it's like obviously he's gonna it, it it makes complete sense that he would try to do a make good and be like oh let me show you like what i can do you think i you think i stole these ideas you think i'm not yeah, you think yeah. i'm unoriginal <laughs> well i'm just about to revolutionize the action and sci-fi genres baby and all visual effects in hollywood and like i'm just gonna do it all at once (laughs) totally it's also just so funny like of course like all of these guys you know and 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 you catch them in a different context where they're not being sued they're not being accused of plagiarism or something and they'll willingly admit like oh yeah you know john carter of mars kurosawa films all the serialized speed racer cartoons from the the 50s or whatever you know like nothing comes from a vacuum it is perfectly normal and fine to to find inspiration in Mm -hmm. you know all manner of 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 things that's how you know we wouldn't have spielberg and lucas and cameron without kurosawa and the 50s serialized cartoons and we wouldn't have a lot of other filmmakers today without Spielberg and Lucas and Cameron. It's, yeah. just, it's, like, it's, yeah. just, it's a self-sustaining cycle mm-hmm. for sure. I, yeah, yeah, obviously like Terminator 2 was just really original and inventive. I did watch a very cool YouTube video. Just, I don't know, it was a visual effects focused channel. It's Australian guy who just talks a lot about VFX and he really loves Terminator 2 for good reason. <laughs> and he did a whole video. He did a video on like the CGI and all the groundbreaking CGI, but then he did a whole other video just on like, here are all the other techniques they also use in Terminator 2. And it is astounding the variety of effects and all the work that went into this. Yeah. And it really shows, I think, you know, that's obviously a big reason why it still stands the test of time because you've got, puppets and miniatures and yeah. you know practical stunt work all kinds of stuff yeah actual I, trust crashing yeah. yeah i started following a um the hashtag just terminator 2 through our podcast on our instagram and i'll I'd switch over to, to that account and like just see some of the stuff coming up in the feed and like there's a cool video where it was just like when t1000's like face gets blown in half and it's literally a guy in a suit that's like leaning his head back so that the split face can just be like above his neck. Yep. <laughs> and it's, and he's just like acting like physically. I don't that's know. So cool. And, and, and the, the, you can hear the guys in the background like, can you breathe? Are you okay? Like, um, <laughs> and I was just like, man, that's, that's practical. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's also really interesting. There's 
to me, there's an interesting thing about the like future war scenes at the beginning and how that's just like mm. composited from like they did rear projection where they filmed like, mm. you know, the background of the battle. Then they have like actual animatronic, you know, T-800 skeletons Robots, yeah. and, and like in the extreme foreground, but then like a little further back, they're just puppets like being <laughs> like there's so many mm. layers of visual effects going on in just that mm. one scene. That that yeah. skull crush at the very beginning. Yes. The skull crush and then pan up to the face, uh, like, or tilt up, rather. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> you know, there's just so, something so eerie about that skeleton. Like, also in the opening yeah. credits, where, like, once the credits end and it's just the flames, and then that, that T-800 head just, like, slowly moves yeah. toward the camera. <laughs> and I was trying to put my finger on it for a long time, and I really think it's the teeth. It's the fact that... Skynet mm, said, yes. we're going to create these like uncanny robot things, but we're going to give them really realistic looking teeth. <laughs> <laughs> ah, scary. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> so should we rank the, the movies? Have we reached that point? We can do that. Yeah. So I've seen obviously the first two, uh, and then I can't really rank three because I don't remember it, <laughs> although I've seen it. That's how rankings go, though. Yeah. You gotta, just, you gotta just, rank, just go based on memory. Rank what you can. All right. Well, I'll go first. I've, I've, well, I guess it, what I wanted to mention was that as we just as we as we pivot into ranking, so there's Alien and Aliens, right? And the and I think that there's sort of the prevailing logic is that Aliens is the better movie, the the more fun movie, or whatever. But I feel like there's still a lot of like you know, I mean, personally, I prefer Alien to Aliens, although they're both fine films, wonderful films. But I feel like that those two movies, there's a lot more debate and there's, there's sort of delineated sides and there's a lot, yeah. you know, there, you can find plenty of people who are, who are, you know, alien defenders and, and, and just as many who, who are aliens defenders. Whereas T2, I always thought was just kind of universally agreed upon as like better. The, the Terminator was the, the model, but T2 was the, you know, super cyan. Like it was the, <laughs> <laughs> everything came to fruition. Um, I, I know for a fact we have some listeners that are T1 stands. Right. Well, and so, I mean, I, so I, I, just in this most recent rewatch, I was, um, you know, I, I, I thought it was a lot better than I remembered. I thought it was great. Obviously it's like the, foundation for the whole series everything that came later but i was just surprised to to read that james cameron has two films that have been inducted into the american film institute's like you know films for the ages whatever um are you talking about the and that is congress like the national film registry oh yes it's the national film registry i forgot that it was yes that actually the the uh u.s congress these films have congressional approval yeah Yeah. (laughs) and that's the terminator and then titanic is his other amazing um and not T two. Call your congressperson. Uh, <laughs> That's an injustice. <laughs> and then also, like the Terminator, I think has like ninety nine or one hundred percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, and T two is like eighty nine or something or ninety one, <laughs> like slightly less. I was just surprised because I just thought that everybody thought you know it's like you know there's only three sequels that are better than the originals. You know, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Godfather Two, and T two. But apparently, that there's more discussion. There's more. That's more controversial a statement than yeah. I thought. I'm so glad you're a bogus head like me. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Eric. I feel Sorry. so alone. <laughs> How dare you? Also, Transporter 2, while we're talking about Screen 2. Obviously. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, t- totally. There's, there's Spider-Man 2. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, uh, Empire. Uh, yeah. And yeah, where, they're, they're just so many on every, on every imaginable scale. <laughs> 
Sequels need more love. So what's your ranking? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> my rankings, yeah. So my rankings go T2, and then much closer than I thought, uh, followed by the Terminator. And then way distant third would be T3, because it certainly, even though I don't remember it, has to be better than Salvation, <laughs> which is just soulless. I mean, it's just... Uh, I mean, you know, what's his name? Mr. American Psycho. He's a great actor, but... He is bad in that movie, and it's just so boring. <laughs> that was the movie that he had the meltdown. Yeah, right? that was, that like was the. the I'm, you're a nice <laughs> yeah, guy. You're in my line. I'm, I'm done yeah, with yeah, you yeah. professionally. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. Which sounds like something the T1000 should say, like in, in his very like just slightly off understanding of human communication. What a nice looking boy. Can I have this picture? <laughs> like, uh. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong about salvation, but my my rankings would go T2. I'm a, such a T2 fan. Even just you know for the way that Arnold like winds up the shotgun like with one hand, just, like, hmm. just that. Show me that all day. Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh wait, we we didn't talk about the. The, the motorcycle jump, the flawless <laughs> landing. Yeah. Oh, in, in the L.A. River? <laughs> yes. The, dr- the, the wash. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful well, stuff. That whole, yeah, that yeah. whole sequence is fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. so it, that's, that's like the centerpiece, the action centerpiece of this whole movie, I think. Okay. Well, that was something I was going to ask after rankings, but let's, let's talk about it right now, just in the middle. What's your favorite action sequence? In the middle of your rankings. Yes, in the middle of my rankings. <laughs> let's pause my rankings. <laughs> Hey, you you interrupted me. You got me going. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's a good. It's a good interruption because I I'm love. Happy to tangent though. T- talking about this action. There's so uh, many. Good, well, I mean, that's my answer. Even the um, good one. I mean, yeah the 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 L.A. River chase is great, I, and and just that whole you know building from the arcade to the chase yeah. through the river. All these sequences um, are so long. That's like also what makes them so yeah. awesome. Yeah, which I think also, I mean, you know, now it's like every movie, oh, it's the end of Avengers, aka the last hour is all, the, you know, <laughs> the, but again, I think that T2 is kind of the, the template for all of that. Um, I don't think we'd have the Dark Knight semi-chase without this movie. Yeah, I really, I really like the, the, yeah. the break out of the hospital. I think yeah. that's like really, uh, really underrated um, action mm-hmm. sequence because it's, it's so sort of pared down and it's definitely like the smallest one and it evolves well i don't know maybe not the most but it evolves in such an interesting way too in ways that like really matter for the characters yeah and just seeing sarah connor do all that badass work on her own and 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 just like the pure catharsis of her like beating the shit out of that guard who'd been traumatizing her is so good yeah (laughs) and then like the the like very humorous uh sequence once she has the um syringe of bleach or whatever uh, <laughs> up against the shrink's neck yeah yeah for me it's the it's that it's the uh, the hospital thing, mental institution yeah. hospital sequence and it does that also does such a good job of showing how relentless the t1000 is and how it is impossible mm-hmm. it is go- you're like it is going to be impossible for these characters to escape from this yeah. villain <laughs> Both good choices. I always like go back and forth. I think it changes over time. I was definitely into the motorcycle chase the first time I saw it. 
but the more I see it, the more I just love that ending. So like everything from, you know, the cops storming Cyberdyne. So T-800 shooting up the cop cars, then stealing the SWAT van so they can get out and driving on the highway, being chased by the helicopter and the liquid nitrogen truck into that final confrontation at the foundry. So it's a good like half hour almost, but everything that then that happens at the foundry where they're, then they're just having that fist fight, like just awesome, really awesome uh, visualization of like the conflict of the movie and like all the themes that are coming to the surface. You can see in my background image now, you know, T-1000 is lit like he's a demon from hell and like Mm -hmm. T-800 gets the blue lights and they actually like film that in a real factory. They lit all that shit up for Mm -hmm. real and it looks so amazing. And I, and it's it's a killer ending and I'm a sucker for great endings. So, and just like, and the way like it pays off so much stuff, like from like hasta la vista baby to the thumbs up as he slowly like sinks into the mouth to, to T 1000 freaking out, becoming all the people he's morphed into like, Oh my God. (laughs) Wait, what other movie did that? There was another movie that did that, that I feel like we saw on this podcast, the the villain, like, well, morphing into a bunch of different it was super mario brothers yeah <laughs> <laughs> the end, well that's the, totally a Cooper trope dies. too though because that's i mean i've definitely seen other movies besides this one where like there's some sort of shape-shifting alien or whatever and as they die they yeah. they go back through all the forms that mm-hmm. they've taken yeah, yeah um what do you think it, it, i <laughs> what in the climax when the t-1000 has sarah connor cornered and he's you know, about to poke her with his knife finger. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, call out to John, call out to him. And she's mm-hmm. like, the fuck, you know, what was that about? Cause like a minute later, of course, he's just doing it himself because he can, he can well, mimic he... the voice of, is it like that he wants to break her? Like, I just, I was, I thought that was interesting because it's clearly not like a yeah. oversight or a mistake because, you know, they literally have the T-1000 do the thing that's established that he can do, which is, mm-hmm. you know, just shapeshift into Sarah Connor to well, try to trick. Yeah. Here's my take on it. A couple of things. First is that we know he has to uh, initiate physical contact with something before he can transform into it. And it's debatable whether like when he like sticks his knife through the elevator earlier in the movie and like scratches Sarah, like maybe that counts. But I also, I also just think like he needed to like, physically touch her to be able to morph into her first. Mm -hmm. And then he also knows like that after getting frozen and shot and put back together again, his morphing isn't working right. Like it's, it's kind of gone haywire with the, you know, the shots of like him, his hand turning into the safety rail color, which Mm -hmm. is then that actually ends up being his downfall. Like he does trans, he does morph into Sarah, but it doesn't quite work. So he, maybe he didn't want to rely on that necessarily. Like, it wasn't his first mm-hmm. choice. If he's thinking, like, a very logical machine, he's like, mm-hmm. have have the real mother call him. Let, right. Let's try that yeah. first. Yeah, it's it'd be more believable, too. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys know that Linda Hamilton has a twin? And that's how they... What? Yeah, film some of these scenes. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. I didn't know that Linda Hamilton and James Cameron were married. <laughs> Yeah. Like several years after this came out. Um, but I guess they had a child a few years before they got married around, I think it was after the filming of, of T2, but it was like early mid nineties. They had a kid together and they got married 
in the late 90s, and then we're only married for a couple of years before. Was he married to Catherine Bigelow before or after that? Yeah, yeah, Catherine Bigelow before. Yeah, before. No, if you go to his Wikipedia, I he's been married like five times. <laughs> and yeah, so Catherine Bigelow, I think, was like 89 to 91. It was another kind of yeah, short. Exactly. I mean, he was short fling. He was married to Gail Ann Hurd, who also, you know, co-produced know. the first Terminator. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to my so ranking. Anyway, to, yeah. <laughs> T2 at the top again, because Arnold winds a shotgun, and that's the coolest thing ever. Uh, <laughs> number two is The Terminator. Classic, kind of dated, but mostly in good ways. Third is Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. And we'll, you'll, you'll hear about it in my pitch. I actually think some of its ideas are really good. Like as a, I, I think it does the best job, or it has the most parts that feel like the natural extension of Terminator tr- trilogy, like going from one to two to three. Because okay. as we all know, after T two, they've just tried to make Terminator three like four times. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> then so that's that's my third. Then my number four is going to be Salvation, mm. even though. Yeah, I I can't argue with your criticisms, Dan. I think what I like about it is that it's, it does try to do something different, though. Like, I do like seeing that a different time period where we're, we're seeing this future war, finally. Like, seeing kind of yeah. how it, yeah. what, what that's mm-hmm. about. I mean, that was totally the pitch yeah. of the movie. And then I'm going to go with Dark Fate at number five. And Genesis <laughs> Garbage at number six. <laughs> Respect. I haven't I haven't seen a co- like several of these in a long time, so I, I'm I'm my ranking is based on like hazy foggy memories, but I'm gonna count down to keep you guys in suspense. Um, <laughs> yeah. But my number six, yes, I agreed agreed. Eric Genesis is <laughs> garbage. <laughs> um, it's just it's just a mess. Like yeah. I I was confused. I was like, what is the time travel like mechanics here? Like what right. I I just I had no idea what was going on and epic fail. Yeah. Um and and then I would go salvation based on a hazy memory. That's fair. <laughs> At number 5. <laughs> My number 4 would be Rise of the Machines. Also something I haven't watched in ages, but I do remember liking it. As I said, not bad based on my memory. Number 3, Dark Fate really won me over recently, you know. As I said, I have I have some issues, but I think the ideas are are good so i respect it and I, and I like that it's like it's very female driven yeah there's just some some cool stuff going on especially with like terminator dad <laughs> <laughs> number two the original but my number one's gotta be t2 yeah it's it's just too. the slickest yeah it's just i hate being one of these people like we all become our parents i guess but it just, it, it's one of those movies that you watch and you're like, man, they don't make them like this anymore. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like it set the precedent for what a sequel should be in my mind, where it's like, mm. we're building on the first one. It's not just the first one redone. It's like a, a left turn into another genre, or it's like deconstructing the dynamic of the first one, where it's like, oh, you thought this was the villain? No, not this time. He's the good guy this time. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's not a, it's not like, it's not a coincidence that like the things that are the movies that are considered the best sequels seem to have the mindset of this is an opportunity rather than yes. this is a paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it just looks so good. I mean it it, it holds up so well. Like visually it holds, it holds up, up so, so well. well. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Terminator you know, it, 
there are many things in the in the Terminator, many beautiful shots, and a lot of the lighting is great. Um, a lot of the just like the set design is great, but like there's also a lot of it that just does not you know hold up very well or look good at all. You know, even just some some kind of funky like matte. Uh, backgrounds at times too, where you're like, why didn't you just drive out to the desert and get that shot? But I mean, budget, I'm sure. But yeah, T2, I mean, you know, like there are, I've seen movies that were made in the last five years with effects and sequences that don't look as good as the stuff in T2, you know, Uh, of course, because. Sequels to this movie don't look as good as this movie. Correct. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Talk to the hand. Yeah, it's 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 such a wonderful achievement, isn't it? And it's a reminder to because I think that there's a tendency for uh, for for those of us who care to wax poetic about practical effects, but it's a it's T2 I think is a reminder to me that it's not just about having practical effects, it's about like wielding them correctly too. Mm-hmm. Because that was something that I was struck by just watching a bunch of the, the promos for, is it Fast 8? Fast 9? F9. F9. It's based yeah. on your keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> F9. Which, of course, I'm excited about. Like, I love the Fast and Furious franchise. But there's just a lot of, like, cars that are doing things that do not look right or real <laughs> at all. And then I was watching a featurette about like the I'm sure we've all seen it from the trailer with like the scene where like somebody like you know yanks um as hard as they can on the on their steering wheel of their car while they're going 90 miles an hour and so the car like you know flips and and like kind of uh does like a right turn into a cafe and then rolls through a cafe <laughs> um and of course that was all practical effects like that whole sequence they literally had the car in a track and like a they built like a gigantic fucking dolly that pulled it through <laughs> the a real cafe with you know nice. real safety glass breaking and everything but it still like looks like they did it still looks like cgi to me it doesn't look natural yeah. it doesn't look real mm-hmm. you know so it's not just about the practical effects it, it has to also be the right auteur like james cameron behind them it's all on how you use it and how you make it look yeah it's there's just all Terminator 2 fires on all cylinders. Like every bit of every aspect of the filmmaking and the storytelling is just all comes together that you can't, you know, you you can, there are many things to love about it and you can't, you can't pigeonhole this movie. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't just say it's just a violent spectacle or you can't just say it's like, you know, about a really tough female protagonist. You can't, you know, there's, it's all of these things. It's a boy. It's, it's not just a sci-fi it's movie. Not, yeah. It's not just an time action child movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. Boy and his robot. Yeah. Like, there's. It's so many different things. Yeah, yeah. A coming of age. Totally. Well, there's a couple other just kind of random ancillary things I did want to talk about. Um, first being video games. Terminator Two had a lot of video game adaptations. I was only ever familiar with the arcade game, which was a shooter. Obviously. <laughs> Do you guys ever play that? It's still you can still find it in arcades mm-hmm. sometimes. It's very popular, but it like mm-hmm. the cabinet had was notable because like had like giant like assault rifle yeah. style guns like yes. mounted onto it, mm-hmm. and you would I remember that you would look yeah. into it almost like what's that thing in Santa Monica where you can like go and look into the little lens and you see like a strip of never mind 
kaleidoscope? No. <laughs> it was like not, not an, like an Oculus or something. Yeah, but no, I know what you're, I, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, where it was like, didn't you have to like step in? It was kind of like, uh, you know, Cruising USA, although a very different design, but it was like you had to like step into the thing, into the arcade. Like there were like curtains or something that you had to kind of go into. Well, no, it was more, it was more just like your, your field of vision was just going to be this strip, like right in front of you. Like you had to like walk immediately up to the machine and be staring down the barrel of the gun to even see what the heck was on this screen and what the game was like. So right, you right. drop your quarters in and yeah, it's basically just you're shooting a bunch of T-800s <laughs> like in, in the future war for like half an hour. And then depending on how much money you're willing to put into it, you might get to the scenes that are more based on the movie, but they don't come until the very end of the game. And I only know that because I watched skim through a playthrough on YouTube. <laughs> how long is the, how long is the whole game? The, the, uh, the playthrough I saw was about 40 minutes long. Like just huh. with not going wow. nonstop, you know, with un- yeah. unlimited credits. But it was also like, I remember playing it. It was also like one of the first games like that I would play, or it was just like very different from the other light game, light gun games at the arcade. And it was one of the first I played that also had like yeah. shaking feedback from just holding this yeah. gigantic yeah. gun. <laughs> yeah, I remember I, they had it at my local movie theater, out in the lobby, you know, with all the other arcades. Also, they had a T2 pinball. I remember really liking the T2 pinball game. It's a good one. I go out to this thing every now, every so often, Arcade Expo out in like near Palm Springs. Just a gathering they have a couple times a year in the before times where they it brings collectors together. I think it's mostly this one collector who has this this uh, organization called the Museum of Pinball. Yeah, and it's just you go for a weekend and there's they're all on free play. So there's is it the King of Kong? <laughs> I wish, but it's not. It's not a uh, uh, Billy Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> I think you took a picture of that yes. T2 pinball that we can post yeah. for for the Insta. I've taken a lot of cuz like it's very like 90s properties are very heavily represented in that era of video gaming and arcade gaming yeah. in particular yeah. pinball machines. So T2 is a good one. I really wanted to track down some Tops cards for T2 because again, 1991 was like peak Tops cards. Oh yeah. <laughs> totally. But I couldn't I couldn't track them. I went to, I actually went to uh Blast from the past today in Burbank. Oh, nice! But their 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 tops cards selection has has really slimmed down. <laughs> People are getting wise. They're collecting them all. Yeah, totally. They're gonna take <laughs> take are... pictures and sell them as NFTs. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> uh... Also, I have the as I mentioned earlier the novelization Terminator Two Judgment Day by Randall Frakes, who is a friend of James Cameron and collaborator. They both, I think, they worked together on. James Cameron's like very first short film. So he's, and he's written a couple other novelizations, I think, of Cameron movies. So, so that's like more access than <laughs> these writers tend to get on these type of projects. Right. So it's very interesting. Um, it's got all the scenes in there that are cut out from the theatrical version, including like Sarah's early vision of Kyle Reese when she's in the hospital and like he comes to her and tells her John's in danger and you got to break out. Which is in the version that I watched. Right. Because I watched like like an extended you know, version, yeah, a special edition or whatever. I had that. I had that as well. But I saw that later. You know that after I watched it, that notably and some other scenes are not were not in the theatrical cut. And I was just then I was wondering, have I ever even seen the original theatrical <laughs> cut? I don't think I have. Anyway, I did watch the theatrical for this yeah. because I was looking it up, and it is James Cameron's preferred version. Who oh, is it? 
Yeah. So, you know, yeah. It's just not every cut is the director's right? cut. <laughs> it's interesting to see. Like that to me was a dead giveaway though. Like I wasn't I just got like a DVD from Netflix. So you never know what they're yeah. going to send you and it's like, "Oh, she's talking to Reese. This was not in the, the regular version." Mm. There is a good scene though that I think would have been great in the the real version or the theatrical version where they're turning on the Terminator's like learning chip or like they're they're like taking the um I don't know what you call it the technical term but it's like having a restraining bolt on a droid and yeah the inhibitor chip yeah exactly the inhibitor chip they're turning that off so he can learn and it's it's like it's an awesome scene for the effect of them like opening up arnold's head and (laughs) reaching in and Mm -hmm. taking it out of his chip out of his metal dome and also for like uh the drama of the story because there's a moment when sarah just wants to smash it like at the chip as it's out of his head like we're never going to get this chance again and john's like we can't we need him you need, and you need to listen to me if I'm this great military leader. So, so wait, that was not because that wasn't that was also was in the version right. That yeah, I that that, that, that was not in the theat- that was not in the theatrical version. Yeah, so I bring those up as like alternate versions. But like, what's in the book that I don't think is in any of the versions, at least not that we watched. There's a beginning sequence with the future war where they're sending Kyle Reese back, and then immediately they have to send the you know, reprogram T-800. Like, they, there's a scene basically where, like, we sent Kyrie's back, yay! But then John Connor goes off and, like, because it's, it's from the perspective of another soldier. And um, he's, like, he's still agitated. He's still worried. And that's when they go see, like, where the room where the prototype T-1000 was and realize, oh, shit, we got to send another one back. I had, that's so interesting. I had that thought where I was, like, wouldn't it be funny if, you know, in the future, they're just like sitting around, like constantly doing this, <laughs> and and you know, it, in the past, the visitors are separated by years, decades, whatever. But it's just literally like one after the other in the future. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah. It it gives you like the book gives you that impression, which I don't know if I love. Like it's just like, oh, oh we need to send another one back, like to make the sequel work. And it's like I understand why that's not in the movie. That would be very silly to start off that way yeah we don't really need that explanation you know wouldn't wouldn't the i feel like every future is kind of like tweaked with each movie right like right yeah that's 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 the explanation uh, does that even make sense (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that was before that became the explanation like where more sequels are made and like every so every movie is technically like a different timeline yeah they were just kind of explaining it as well maybe maybe they sent kyle reese back and they're like nothing changed yet (laughs) like like maybe we need to do something else. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot. There's a, you can go on the internet. There's lots and lots of talk about the temporal mechanics of it. The book ends uh, with a time jump into the future. Sarah Connor is a grandmother, and John is a senator. <laughs> and Judgment Day did not happen, and John is helping right. the world. He's still a leader, but he's like in the, in a different way. Yeah, you know, he doesn't have to <laughs> fight machines. Right. It's okay. Happily ever after. I, I prefer. I much prefer the more ambiguous ending of the film. Yeah. And also, and also, kind of like the film presents these kind of like competing ideologies where you have the future is not set. There's no fate, but what we make. Yeah. But then I remember very pointedly, like the Terminator is says it once to John. He's like, "It's in your nature to destroy yourselves." Like yeah. suggesting, yeah. like yeah. it's still inevitable. Like <laughs> something is gonna yeah. go wrong. Well, and even, like, the predestination of it, like, the fact that, again, diving deeper into the temporal temporal mechanics, like, the only reason that the future 
exists and the Terminators exist is because they sent it back in time and Sarah destroyed the T-800 and they recovered bits and pieces of the T-800 and, you know, started building Terminator machines yeah. from the template that they found from this future creature that was sent back in time. Like, <laughs> so there is a sense that, like, of course, like with uh, um, Dyson, you know, it's, it's not enough to kill him. It's, it's, and it's not enough to just destroy his research. Like, they have to destroy everything. Otherwise, someone else will just pick it up. And, like, I think there's kind of that... Yeah, like that, I think that's sort of the idea that they're going at, that it's like, it doesn't necessarily matter so much that Skynet is inevitable. And I do love, in the first movie, they don't do it so much, I think, in the second movie, but in the first movie, especially at the end, when Sarah Connor's recording, you know, the journals for her son in the future, and she's like, has these moments of like second guessing herself where it's like, should I tell you about that or not? Like, what's the right thing to do mm-hmm. here? Like, very true. So it's it's all twisty and bendy, and the book presents a much more, I guess, streamlined and, and <laughs> much more pat version of that. It's like, oh, they just sent it right back right after, and then it's then it's everything's okay at the end. Nope, no problem. Ultimately, it all happens the way it happens. No so problem. You can have a, a good movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But it is it's one of the better novelizations I've read for our podcast. I do recommend it. There's a lot of great, also like interior monologue going on like uh with sarah's dream of the nuclear judgment day and right also yeah. of but dyson before he's about to die like seeing his children and imagining also like what the fate would be if he mm. was going if he failed at to you know renounce and destroy all his work it's it's pretty cool i know i was sort of bummed that they don't come back to his uh wife or kids in the movie like i I sort of thought, oh, maybe in the end, you know, there'll be a scene where they're all back together, but yeah. that maybe is a little too neat and, and yeah. happy for what the movie is. Well, speaking of that, are we about ready to head on to our pitches? Let's I think it. so. Yeah. The future may not be set, but <laughs> we've tried to envision it with these pitches. Oh. They said the day when we I'm in it for riches Sequel, prequel, remake, wanna throw me some pitches for guffin um, Well, I'll go first uh, because I don't want to follow you guys' <laughs> uh, pitches Because my pitch is uh, um, Avatar 8 No, I'm <laughs> But no, I think my pitch honestly is just something new I love the Terminator movies um, And also... Well, Arnold's not getting any younger, and anytime I see a Terminator movie without Arnold Schwarzenegger, such as Terminator Salvation, doesn't quite feel like a Terminator movie. And you know, I was actually I was having this conversation with my wife because she was like saying it's so funny that Avatar Two is coming out. I mean, obviously COVID delayed it at least by a year, but it's so funny that it's coming out like in 2022 or whatever. You know, 13 years after the last movie came out. And I mean, to me, it's like, yes, it is. It isn't new because it's an avatar sequel, but like at least it's a sequel that's being made of a movie where there's only one previous iteration in the entire series of like that alone is so unique these days (laughs) that it's not part of a cinematic universe. It's not, 
you know, the fifth reboot in a series. So I'm like super excited for James Cameron's under the sea avatar or whatever, <laughs> because it's going to be something different. It's, it's, there's plenty left to explore in that world. And I feel like the world of Skynet and, you know, the T-1000 and the T-800, we've seen a lot of, and I don't honestly know if I want to see much more of it, especially in a world where it, Arnold Schwarzenegger is not the Terminator, yeah, right? That's fair. I get, I get that. And, and, and to, to be fair, like Genesis and Sal, not Salvation, Genesis and Dark Fate do involve him a little more. But, but he's, right. But I mean, not, even, it's not the same. But he is very, he is yeah. very old and it is not the same. Yeah. 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 Well, and, um, and then you, on the flip side, you get something like in um, Salvation where they do the, like, very early <laughs> CGI Arnold, yeah, you know, yeah. shades of Grand yeah. Moff Tarkin. <laughs> Still a lot of shadow and silhouette. They have to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I feel like it's 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 kind of like the Jurassic Park conundrum, where it's like oh, yeah. every sequel is just kind of saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like you're just riffing on the same theme. You're not really building on it. You're just kind of like doing it again. Yeah. Right. And it's hard because the point of the Terminator movies is like. The future's so bleak. Let's prevent that. Okay, we did that. <laughs> now the future's what we make it. Like that's kind of the the theme of every Terminator movie. Yep. Right. Totally. Um, and it's it's just hard to like do anything else with that, you know. So I I'm not surprised that they struggle to like make these movies work as well as they did with these first two. Yeah. No doubt. Can I go second? Because I feel like you're gonna have a better pitch. I- <laughs> Challenge, challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, I'm going to do the same thing as the other Terminator movies, and <laughs> mine's not fully formed. I feel like I, I kind of just had like visuals in my head, mm-hmm. and it falls apart by the end. But um, so mine takes place hundreds of years in the future. Humanity has like been wi- humanity has been wiped out. The machines won, uh, and then they grew their technology so much that they required a, a more powerful energy source. Uh, so they decide to drill into the Earth's core. They abandon dry land, and they just move their entire base of operations to the darkest depths of the ocean. The surface is now just entirely empty ruins, overgrown with plants and wildlife, and a lone Model 101 Terminator, or T-800, uh, who was left behind. And he scours the ruins like Wally, learning about human history <laughs> by collecting artifacts. Until one day, he encounters a human. A real-life, flesh-and-blood human. Someone who's been living alone for years outside of the detection of the machines thanks to a magnetic anomaly in the area. T-800 befriends this human and deduces that if there are other magnetic pockets, perhaps some humans have survived there as well. So they set out to find them. And of course, the evil machines get wind of this and send a liquid metal assassin to the surface to snuff out this last human. Insert several Terminator movie chase scenes, uh, action set pieces. Eventually they do find a magnetic area where a small tribe of humans have been living, and the assassin retreats to alert the machines. T-800 expects that they'll send an army next time, so he gathers the humans to bring the fight to them instead. And he leads them back to his junkyard homestead, where we learn that he's been building a giant hover ship, with magnetic weapons that can battle the evil machines. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't know the hows or the whys, and it's kind of falling apart at this point, but 
Essentially, I just want the finale to take place out at sea, where we see a literal ocean of liquid metal. <laughs> uh, and it's totally like, you know, edgelord, like metal, badass, like <laughs> uh, metal, world. like an album cover. Yeah. And, you know, it can like form into a giant silver kaiju or like kraken or something. And through their ingenuity, T-800 and the humans are able to beat the, beat the machines and take out the underwater base. Something like that. Cool. <laughs> I just want, I just want the big like liquid metal ocean set piece. <laughs> but my title for this is T-1 million. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> Did you know that the T-1 million is actually the name of the character that was in the Universal ride? The, the, the villain really? they created? Yeah. Oh, Which is something yeah. I meant to bring up earlier, but that T2 3D yeah. <laughs> battle across time. Okay. <laughs> T1 billion. There you go. <laughs> T- 100 billion. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I meant to mention the uh, the T2 Universal ride, too, um, which I guess James Cameron yep. also like directed. Yep. Brings back uh, the cast, too. It's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 I-, I feel like I did see that, like, Closer to 91, like back then, like 92, maybe. And earlier, you know, like early signs of his obsession with 3D there, yeah. too. Right? Yeah, the, the it was 3D a 3D experience. experience. Yeah. That's totally right. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was man. a cool ride. I I didn't get to go on it yeah. until like the almost the very end of its lifespan. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, same. it was same. not really like as state of the art anymore, but it was still fun. Like it gives you, gives you the Terminator feels. Appropriate totally. for a theme park ride. So my pitch, going to have some little shout-outs to Terminator 3 because I like some of the general ideas in there, and I took them. So the first one being it's you know set at least a decade, maybe even 20 years after the events of Terminator 2, and John Connor is just living hand-to-mouth, trying his best to stay off the grid. He's down and out because of all, you know, despite saving humanity from Judgment Day, his life has taken a turn for the worse after the death of his mother, and also the fact that his destiny feels like a lie and it's a lie that's made him bitter, paranoid and self-destructive. Where else is there to go? Like after you save the world and no one knows or cares. So meanwhile, there's a 20 uh, something Danny Dyson, the son of Miles Dyson has inherited his father's technical genius. And he's part of a hacker group that's kind of similar to anonymous and there. And he's blaming Cyberdyne and corporations in general as the root of his family's problems because his mother uh, you know, has never gotten over the trauma of what happened to his father and has never, she has never completely never told Danny the entire story of what happened. So, um, Danny is obviously still like haunted by this, has questions. So he spends his time tracking down this John Connor, looking for more answers about his father's death. Um, they eventually meet and Danny finds John very hostile. Um, but as they meet a T8, a T-800 appears and starts, you know, approaching them. Um, John reassures Danny is like, you know, wait, like this is another protector. You know, this is what happened last time. Um, and maybe I am still like, I can save humanity again. This is great. And then the T-800 just attacks them <laughs> and they have to go on the run and temporarily escape the, the T-800. But as they're doing that, they learn that multiple terminators have appeared in Los Angeles and have seized control of the city's computer network. So, Danny and John gradually forge this bond under adversity. 
uh, getting away from now a handful of killer machines that are out to get them. And they fight their way to a military server farm so they can de- deploy this remote access virus that Danny has created, uh, which gives them control of all these prototype weapon systems and drones that they can use to fight the machines. And as they are about to succeed in this, the T-800 returns, beginning another grueling chase that eventually ends when John steps in to sacrifice himself for Danny so Danny can complete his work. However, when he does that, the T-800 freezes, explaining, you know, there's a contradiction in the mission parameters. It's only programmed to terminate Danny, but not John. And that's when we find out that Danny is the one instrumental in launching Skynet, just like his dad, Mm. because his virus inadvertently will, you know, access these top secret AI defenses in the military network, which is Skynet. So, but John tries to make this case for Danny, pointing out that the future isn't set, of course, and that learning, or in one case or in John's case, avoiding one's fate can also give you the motivation to change it or even just reject it entirely. So because Danny now knows what he's about to do, he can say, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, it convinces the T-800 um, as they all frantically work to, you know, reverse the effects of the virus. Uh, but the hardware, it's going haywire. It's too late. It's destroyed all the remaining Terminators, and it's now setting its sight on any potential threats, including humans. So in this madness, John does die. He does sacrifice himself to to protect Danny, which causes T-800 to go berserk because he's lost his best friend. And he neutralizes all the enemies in the vicinity, uh, burning out his last remaining power cell. So now Danny is just stuck by himself in a secure bunker with a useless Terminator as the nuclear holocaust of Judgment Day inevitably takes its course. Mm. And in one final flash forward... Uh, Danny voiceover explains that John did save humanity that day by teaching him to never stop fighting, to reject fate, write his own future. And he explains that the human resistance has adopted the name John Connor as a pseudonym for all its leaders all over the world. So it's decentralized, untraceable, Mm. allowing them to operate under a cloak of anonymity while paying tribute to the guy who gave them (laughs) the inspiration to fight on and defeat the machines. It's like Spartacus. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so my title would just be uh, Terminator Redemption. Wow. Cool. Nice. <laughs> I am John Connor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I am John Connor. <laughs> <laughs> try to try that, Skynet. How are you going to go back in time and kill like 80 John Connors? Yes. You can't find them all. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so there you go. There you have it. Those are all our... Those are all our great Terminator ideas, or in Dan's case, the, the probably the very best idea to just leave it alone. Well, I've got, I've got, I've got one other idea, which was that uh, just a very, the very beginnings of an idea, which was just a, a Terminator movie set in the past, because Skynet realizes that they just have to get a little further back in the lineage, the, the Carter lineage, <laughs> and go to a time when. Uh, uh, gigantic metal foundries don't exist yeah. and rocket launchers <laughs> and and other uh weapons that liquid nitrogen <laughs> exactly uh, they just got to go back a couple of hundred years when it would become even more difficult oh, to man. destroy a terminator machine that's good now we're talking uh-huh. ye old terminator would be yeah, cool. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i want to see that all right hollywood let's fund that uh, if you're ready, if you're ready to put up, put up the cash, just, uh, head on down to the Galleria and send us some of that 
easy money. <laughs> Speaking of uh, other cultural anachronisms, or not anachronisms, but um, I also remember as a child thinking John Connor's Public Enemy t-shirt that he wears <laughs> for, through most of the movie was very edgy and yeah. wondering, like, where did he get that? Bad boy. <laughs> and then I saw it again. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's got a cool Public Enemy shirt. <laughs> yeah. like, I feel like that's enemy. a... That's a very <laughs> that's a very 1991 reference, but like the movie set in 95, and I was like, would they be as hot? Like, would people still be wearing right. the Public Enemy T-shirts in 95? Oh, I, I don't know. I forgot that it was like it's a very slightly you know, yeah. future. Yeah, like yeah. the Near movie future. comes out in 91, but it's set in 95. I forgot about that. It's funny. <laughs> it should be yeah. a Batman Forever T-shirt. <laughs> it should be a Smashing Pumpkin shirt. Yeah, there you go. Coolio t-shirt. Yeah, he's got the public enemy shirt. He's listening to Guns N' Roses on a his Cisco bike. shirt. Cisco. <laughs> That's like 99. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> oh, all right, guys. We got one more question to ask ourselves. It's the title of this podcast for Terminator 2. What were we watching? Yeah, I was watching the template for so many other action movies that would follow. James Cameron at the peak of his game. I mean, it's crazy that this is like his third real movie. And it already, right? Because I mean, discounting the short film and the um, Piranha movie that he did, right? It was The Terminator, then it was The Abyss, and then it's... Oh, aliens? aliens? No, no. Yeah, aliens is aliens, between mm-hmm. Abyss aliens and, and then and then T two. Yeah. So it's his his fourth movie, and just the the you know his commitment to getting the smallest details right. You know, it, like you really see James Cameron's um, meticulous nature in in this movie. I just I love it. I love I love how good it looks. I love how tight a script it has. I love how committed all the actors are to a pretty ridiculous concept. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, what I was watching was a calling card for a director for the action genre in the 90s for a new era in visual effects. Just a game changer in every sense of the word and and something that just speaks to my heart as like, a quintessential example of an action drama where the action serves the story, the action tells the story, and the action serves to illuminate these characters that we are compelled by and want to learn more about. So I can't say enough about how much I love T2. <laughs> how cool was it just seeing like the fight sequences between, you know, like at the end when, um, uh, the T-1000 and the T-800 are fighting each other. I was just so pleased to see, like, a very brutal and, you know, realistic enough-seeming fight sequence that wasn't just all shaky cam and, yep. mm. and you know, blurry, quick cuts. Um, you know, it was very choreographed and, and you know, dance-like. Sh- you gotta show off those practical, like, <laughs> half-formed liquid metal monster. 
Yeah. yeah. But it didn't it didn't feel it didn't feel like hokey or it didn't feel staged either. You know, like it, it yeah. felt like the, seeing them fight. I mean, it felt like they were fighting to the yeah. death. It, it There's weight real. to it. Yeah, they get damaged. Yeah. There's weight to it. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's consequence. Yeah, it's really great. There's intention in every every fiber of this movie. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. You guys have said it so well, both of you, um, throughout this whole episode. I feel like I don't know what to add other than to me, what I was watching was a movie that really set the precedent in in my younger age for what a sequel should be, and I, f- I feel like it's like a it's like a lesson that I've that's stuck with me ever since. It's just like a sequel can be a complete left turn. It can be a new genre, as we talked about, uh, and it's just one of the best, technically best looking movies ever. <laughs> and it's it has so much to do with just the the care and the detail the. I don't know. The production value is just on point. Firing on all cylinders is yes. Is you might even, put it as we said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like it's it's not for nothing. We can make machine metaphors for this film. Yeah, it is a machine. It is a well-oiled machine, my friend. Liquid metal. Mimetic poly. <laughs> Liquid swords. <laughs> Mimetic poly alloy swords. Stabbing weapons doesn't work that way. Guns have moving parts, chemicals. Um, so, oh man, uh, that's that's a whole oh, segment so on its own. I'll just I'll record myself just <laughs> for another half hour after we're done. But before that, Dan, Dan, I want to thank you so much for joining. Oh, us. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. Thank uh, you for bearing with me through some some fits and starts tonight uh, with my <laughs> wonderful children doing what they can to. <laughs> make this recording go even later than usual uh, yeah listeners don't know the the breaks we took um because <laughs> you had to put your kids to bed a couple times yeah but uh no we were I, i'm happy to i was happy to wait wait yeah. it out and continue this yeah. wonderful discussion although we did think it was a little harsh of you dan to say chill out dickwad to your son because <laughs> he wouldn't go to sleep <laughs> Unless you just had the, maybe you just had the movie on in the background. I, I, could be wrong. I, I also told him as I left, uh, I'll be back. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you got to see Dark Fate because there's some great like subversions of that line. Yeah, um, that, like that is f- true. I agree. Yeah, uh, it, totally. I mean, I... I I like uh I I'm sure she's bad in it. I it doesn't look like it doesn't even look like it was correct casting. But um you know Daenerys um I like that mm. actor. Um, oh no no that's Genesis. We're talking about Dark Fate. Oh 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 okay yes because okay. because your your also your instinct is correct and Amelia Clark is terrible casting as Sarah Connor. <laughs> <laughs> I like her, but it, it didn't, yeah, it didn't work. Totally. That, it didn't work. I, like that her, I forgot that she's playing Sarah Connor in yeah. that movie. That's even worse. I, I just thought it was not great casting, like for like the gritty sort of lead in a Terminator movie. I forgot that she's supposed to be Sarah Connor. That's even worse. Yeah. 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 So this has been a blast. Thank you, Dan. This is when we give our guests the floor. If you'd like to plug anything. Um, yeah, I, um, I'd like to plug, um, <laughs> I do this every time. Uh, uh, you know, my friend's podcast. So you should listen to uh, this show called What Were We Watching? Um, <laughs> tell a friend, uh, dear listeners. 
Marvel Star Wars Explorers. I just if if you if you <laughs> after three hours of listening to me ramble about Terminator, if you haven't had enough of my voice, you, you can listen to um, one of the most recent episodes of Marvel Star Wars Explorers, a podcast where they um, well now they're exploring the Dark Horse um, uh, Dark Empire run from the uh, early '90s, where Luke seems to fall into the the throes of the dark side oh, no. it's a fun limited series wait so you, are you are you issue um, three or four? i'm issue three yeah three. i'm on a, i'm on issue three and uh it's great great pod our lovely hosts um sam stovald and brian rudloff uh do a great job and it's it's cool because it's uh i mean god i'm sure like the overlap between what were we watching listeners and and marvel star wars like i Hopefully one of you listening, actually, this is beneficial to. But anyway. Um, the Venn diagram is one circle. <laughs> um, it's not just, you know, they don't just talk about the comics. They they bring in just, you know, they're like two of the best pop culture aficionados you'll ever meet. You know, they talk about what what was, you know, the earth history that was happening at the time that whatever comic that they were reading from the 80s or 90s was going on and. Um, what you yeah, know, that's a great segment that I wish and... that I wish we thought of first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, damn, um, that's perfect for this podcast. <laughs> totally. Uh, what else do I want to plug? Um, uh, Text before calling uh, is another uh, friend of the show pod pod of the show uh, where you can also hear the musical stylings, the song stylings of of one uh, these sprawls. Um, Give it up. Yep. Uh, that's all, I think. That's all I'm gonna plug. Enrich yourself. Do some chores. Put on a podcast. <laughs> and not a news podcast, please. You know, There's enough relax. of that, yeah. Yeah. Judgment Day is inevitable. <laughs> Judgment Day is inevitable. You don't need to listen to the news. <laughs> Who cares? Well, thank you. Thank you, Dan. Great plugs. We, My pleasure. We yeah. recommend all those things as well. <laughs> um, and if, and if you wanna, hear more of us we have our website uh and our Bandcamp site where you can listen to all of our previous episodes including the ones that feature mr daniel borders ash and we're on social media twitter facebook instagram if you search what were we watching rate and subscribe on your podcatchers and drop us a line what were we watching at gmail.com we love hearing from our listeners and uh reading emails on air it's always fun to hear what you think about the movies we talk about. And I think this one was a very popular choice also, like a, a coveted spot amongst <laughs> amongst our roster guests. So I am expecting and really hoping uh, to hear some, some more thoughts from, from our listener yes. army. Please write in. Argue for why Terminator 1 is better than T2. <laughs> Tell me what I missed. Drag me. Please drag me. Well, they'll, they'll be coming in hot. I feel like it's it's almost a given, you know, with the fact that all three of us chose T2 over yeah. T1. Yeah. I'm glad we got a T2 head for T2. And Hell yeah. It wasn't just like a surprise. Like Dan was like, oh, I, I actually like the first one better. <laughs> yeah. You're the right first guest for this great. one. The first one is great. I, I No hate for the first one. Especially my, okay, my favorite moment, I think. <laughs> of the whole movie in the first one is there's the scene when Arnold's come back from getting like banged up. Um, and, uh, you know, Sarah Connor's gotten away once again and he's like 
repairing his eye uh, in the like you know flop house apartment that he's staying in, mm-hmm. and um, like the janitor, the super or something is outside, and he he knocks on the door and is like, uh, "Hey, sounds like it smells like you got a dead animal in there," <laughs> and then it shows the you know. The dialogue Mass tree. Effect yeah. dialogue tree <laughs> of options that he has to choose from. And it's like, you know, yes, no, uh, you know, I'm sorry, uh, or fuck you. And he chooses <laughs> fuck you to respond. That's a great moment of character building. <laughs> Truly is. As, as is the fact that his, uh, organic parts start to rot and smell. Like I, yeah. I, yeah. I only picked up on that the most recent watch. <laughs> like, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although apparently he heals, that was also something that I had uh, I picked up on this most recent watch of T two is mm-hmm. he um, they're like are you gonna heal and he's like yeah and I was like oh how about that <laughs> all right well I don't want to let the people know what's wrong with my eyes right now because I'm just sad to have this moment be past us and to to be wrapping up but I I want to say thanks once again to you Dan. And to you, the listeners, thanks a lot for listening for What Were We Watching? And until next time. Hasta la vista, baby. Hasta la vista, baby. Yeah, or later, dick one. And if someone gets upset, you say chill out. Or you could do combinations. Chill out, dick one.